Okay, I want to talk about Korach. It's very hard to grab on to what the issue with Korach really, really was. But we'll, we'll do a section. We'll do a section. Hopefully, we'll be able to. Uh, it says in this pasuk, In, in other words, there were different levels of opposition to Moshe Rabbeinu. There was Korach and Datan Baviram. And then there were other people, 250 people who went along with them. And then there was Kol Ha'ida. Right? The Kol Ha'ida is the last group that is mentioned in the parasha. So, Vayakel Alehem Korach et Kol Ha'ida El Petach Olmo'ed. But he brought them, he brought them along with him. Now Rashi says, Vayakel Alehem Korach Leitzanut in modern Hebrew means like a, a more comical approach, but Leitzanut, it means in this case, silliness, silly comments. And so what did he say? All night long, he went to the various tribes, and he tried to convince them that they should go with him. And they said, You think I'm only worried about myself? Torah said, No, no, no. I'm worried about all of you. They, he's referring to Moshe and Aaron, take all of the great jobs. He, Moshe Rabbeinu, gets kingship, even though it's not a halachic kingship because his sons did not inherit him. But he had the, all the trappings of Malchut. He was like a king. And all of these people in this category called Kolaida, remember, it's the fourth group. There's Korach himself and his assistants were Datan Aviram. And then there are 250 people who went along with them. And then there's Kol Ha'ida. So we're now learning about Kol Ha'ida. And Rashi says that Korach made an attempt to increase the uh, opposition to Moshe Rabbeinu by bringing in all kinds of people. By telling them, this is going to be good for you. This revolt against Moshe Rabbeinu will be good for you because you'll get something also. And then, uh, and then the rest of the Pasuk says, unbelievably, And the Kavod uh, Hashem, whatever that, that means, the word Kavod is a word that is used to describe the presence of God. Although for us, it's not clear what that is exactly, but apparently everybody who saw Kavod Hashem knew that it was God. It could have been a cloud, it could have been a fire, it could have been something, making noise, all kinds of noise at the Kol Shofar, at the, at the, at the Matan Torah. It doesn't matter what the words are used, what words are used to describe Kavod Hashem. They knew, whoever was there knew that it was God. That it wasn't just a cloud. It wasn't just a noise. It was, they knew that. So seems to me to be a little problematic 
because Vayirat Kvod Hashem El Kol Haidat sounds like a spiritual uh, uh, achievement, right? Vayirat Kvod Hashem El Kol Haidat. That happens when something important is about to happen, when some announcement is going to be made. But in any event, here it sounds like it means they saw the anger. They saw God's anger in, in the appearance. So that's Kavod Hashem. Rashi says, Hashem, Baba Amud Anan. That's what they saw. They saw a cloud, a, a pillar that was a cloud, but they knew that it was Kavod Hashem. They, they knew that. The next Pasuk. The next Pasuk. Hashem El Moshe El Aharon Lemor. Hashem. El Moshe El Aharon So even though everybody saw the Kvod Hashem, everybody saw it, the speech was made in the direction of Moshe and Aaron, leaving them out. Leaving the Kol Ha'ida was left out. So he says, Vayedaber Hashem El Moshe El Aharon Leimor. And then comes this somewhat difficult Pasuk. He badlu mitoch ha'ida hazot Right? Separate yourself from them and I will destroy them instantly. I will destroy them. I will destroy them instantly. So you know also that Hashem suggested this to Moshe Rabbeinu after the Chaita Egel. Right? We'll get rid of all of them and we'll start over again. And you will be the father of the new great nation, you Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu refused. And he argued in defense of the people, of the people who had made this Egel Hazahav. And here again, Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, he badlu, the two of them this time, not just Moshe, but I mean, Aaron was somehow uh, uh, also part of the Egel Hazahav. What exactly he did is debatable, let's say, disputable. But, uh, but he was certainly part of it in some way or other. Here, Aaron is like Moshe. They're both on the defensive. So Hashem says to, to them, Ibadlu, separate yourself, and I will destroy them in a moment. This happened several times in the Chumash, and Rashi always says that is an act that you do when you don't know what to do, when you have nothing to say, and there's nothing you can, there's no real response. That's why you plu. Al So what did they say? They said they addressed God in a special way, in a way that, that we've never heard before. But El Elohei Aruchot, the God of the winds, for all basar, for all meat. Ha'ish echad yecheta. Now, what an accusation that is. And of course, it reminds us of Avram Avinu, Sodom. Right? When we say that Avram Avinu uh, had this, had something to say about Sodom, so it's, it's not clear 
whether, I mean, what was Avram Avinu saying? Was he accusing God of not being just? Is that what the, the pshat is, or is it some other pshat? It always seemed to me, it always seemed to me that Avram Avinu said, as the Rambam says, he knew that God was just. It didn't, it didn't even occur to him that the story of stone could be an unjust just judgment. Instead, what Avram Vinu turns to God to say is, look, I have a job in my lifetime to spread the word that there is one God and it's a just God. How am I supposed to explain what's happening in Sodom Amora? That was the question. If there are 50 righteous people, you're going to kill them also? So, of course, the answer to the question was, no, the righteous people will not be judged with the others who are not righteous. That was God's answer to the question. 50, yes. 40, yes. 30, yes. What if there's only one? If there's only Lot, who is, who is a, a, a kind of marginal righteous person, he's not really righteous, at least the way we think of being, he'll also be saved. He was also saved. Right, we saved, his family was saved, so that, that uh, uh, Abraham simply misunderstood. That he thought that the righteous people would be killed. And here, what, does, what do Moshe and Aaron say? This is a lack of judgment. That's Korach. They just came along. Korach is an entertainer. He's a good presenter. He says something that people like to hear. They're not really, they're not really sinners at the level of, of Korach. Rashi says, well, first, uh, let, do the Ishechad. You see the, the second part of the Rashi in Pasukabet. Ha'ishechad, hu ha'chotei, kol and you're going to get angry at the whole, all the Eida. I announce, I, I will tell you who's the one who, who sinned and who did not sin. So, so it's again, you have this kind of case. I'm sorry. Pasuk of Aleph. God says to Moshe and Aaron, starting out position of heaven. I'm going to get rid of them. And then they fall on their faces by Yomru. The second position is, the first position was, you, Moshe and Aaron, separate yourself from them. The second position of God was, you, Ada, separate yourself from Korach. You see, you see that? I can sort of pass from a directive to Moshe and Aaron. It passed and became a directive of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, the Ada. That's Pasuk Kavdalit. That's Pasuk Kavdalit. Pasuk Kavhei. 
ויעקב משה וילך אל דתן ואבירם וילכו אחריו זקני he thought that they would look kindly upon him. But they didn't. So again, the Pasuk says, Pasuk Israel. I'm not sure exactly how Datan Aviram get back into the story here. Rashi doesn't help me. You, you, you see the problem? Because we're talking about the Eida, this large mass of people that Torah convinced. They hadn't done anything wrong, and they really were not into it on their own, but Korach convinced them that they should go with him. And then Hashem says, okay, they want to go with Korach, they'll all be killed. Moshe and Aaron say whatever they say. HaKadosh Baruch says, okay, we'll change it. Go and tell them that they can save themselves. If they separate themselves from Mishkan, okay, that's a hard word because it reminds us of a, of a holy place. Mishkan Korach Tatan Vaviram. They should separate themselves from the temple of Korach Tatan Vaviram, which sounds like there was something else going on, even though Rashi doesn't mention it. The fact that there was a Mishkan of Korach Tatan Vaviram. Okay? So Hashem says to them, talk to the Eida and have the Eidah separate itself from Korach Tatan Vaviram. Right? Vayakom Moshe, Pasuk Kafei, Vayelech al Datan Vaviram, Vayelchu Acharav, Zeknei Yisrael. Vayedaber al Ha'aidah. So I don't know why he went to, why did he go to Datan Vaviram? I don't know. Vayedaber al Ha'aidah Lemor, and he went, again, turned to the Eidah. Remember the Eidah? That's the topic in these Pesukim. Lemor. And so Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the Eidah. He went to Datan Vaviram, and the Eidah is also there. So maybe he's standing in between the Datan Vaviram and the Eidah. And he says to them, you better run away. Get away from Korach. The, the household of Korach, uh, here he calls it O'alim, not Mishkan. Don't touch anything that belongs to them. 
Unless you are swept up in all of their uh, all of their sins. Rashi doesn't say a thing. Next pasuk, mishkan. Back to the word mishkan. Korach datan v'aviram misaviv v'datan v'aviram yetzu nitzaviv petach o'alehem u'nishehem u'vinehem v'tapam. So it's a standoff. Moshe Rabbeinu convinces the Eida to back away from Korach datan v'aviram, but datan v'aviram. Right, but 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 Tam Avram Yetzu Nitzavim Nitzavim they stood straight, they were tough. Petachol Halehem, and they stood in front of their tents, the Tam Avram, and they stood there with their wives and their children and their babies. Right, they were all uh, they were all standing there. So here Moshe Rabbeinu has accomplished. Uh, he's accomplished something. He's got the Eida to move away. And he is now, that's to deal with Datan Vaviram. He has to deal with Datan Vaviram. Remember, again, we said Korach, Datan Vaviram, 250 guys who were with them, and then the Eida. So the problem of the Eida is solved. They're moving away. And we're up to the problem of Datan Vaviram. Vayome Moshe Pasuk Chet. So here is the ultimate defense against the argument of Korach. According to this Pasuk, what was it that Korach was fighting about? So this is in, in, uh, in the Rashi. Rashi says, Rashi says, "Neshehem uh, uvnei." I have to go back. Neshehem uvneim v'tapam. I'm sorry. Pasuk of Zion, the Rashi. Bo urei kama kasheh machloket. Rashi. Interesting. Rashi. Rashi talks about. He says, "How difficult is it to maintain a dispute in a dispute?" Sharei beitin shel mata. A Beit Din, a regular Beit Din, can only punish mature people, mature children who have matured physically. But they can't punish children and certainly can't punish babies. Beit Din Shemala, Adesim Shana, we know that the Beit Din Shemala, the, the Sakav, or the punishment of Karait, is not. Uh, applied until you're 20 years old. Until you're 20 years old. It can Abdu Afyon Keisha Daim. And here the punishment went out even to babies who were nursing uh, uh, with their mothers. Right? So now, Pasuk Kavchet. Pasuk Kavchet. Vayome Moshe bezotet un zot something is going to happen and you're going to know ki Hashem shlachani lasotet kol amasim eile kilomilibi and that means the words mean you're going to know you're going to find out you're going to have this understanding that God sent me to do what 
I'm supposed to do. Kilo milibi, I didn't invent it. I did not invent any of the things that I did. And Rashi says, I did it because God told me to do it. I gave Aaron, I made Aaron the Kohen Gadol, that's what I did. I did all these because that's what God told me to do. So if that's what Moshe Rabbeinu says in his defense, what did Korach say about Moshe Rabbeinu? What did Korach say about Moshe Rabbeinu? He said, he invented it. It was his, his idea. And why is his idea better than anybody else's idea? I mean, the original argument that Korach presented was everybody was at Har Sinai. Everybody was a prophet. Everybody became a Navi at Har Sinai. So it's true, Moshe Rabbeinu is also a, na- a Navi. But why is it when it comes to appointing one person or another that Moshe Rabbeinu's opinion is greater than anybody else's opinion? And so what Moshe Rabbeinu says, what Moshe Rabbeinu says is, Ki Hashem Shalachani this harkens back to Shmot, Perik Beta, Perik Gimel. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you Moshe, you're going to go and get them out of Mitzrayim. And what does Moshe Rabbeinu say? Lo yaminu be. They're not going to believe me when I tell them that God sent me to take you out of Mitzrayim. And of course it's true. Why should they believe it? What, what is this? So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, you'll do, you'll do a miracle. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, it's a little miracle. Okay, do another miracle. You do another miracle. And then eventually, eventually they believe you. Why will they, supposedly, why will they they believe you, the the Jews? Because they'll see that the Egyptian magicians can't do it. Like what were the Egyptian magicians able to do? Dam, Svardaya. But they couldn't do kinim, mm-hmm. right? They couldn't do kinim, whatever, whatever, whatever the reason is. So if they couldn't do kinim, and that was supposed to create belief of Am Yisrael in Moshe Rabbeinu, how come the Egyptians didn't believe? And if the Egyptians didn't believe, maybe the Jews also didn't believe. In other words, the Jews had a different way of judging. If something good happened to them, if Paro made them uh, collect the straw to build the bricks, and that made labor more difficult, if that was what happened, so what, what, so what is it that... Uh, uh, so if, if, that's, if that's what happened, so what did the Jews say? They said, maybe Moshe Rabbeinu is not, is not a, a shaliach of Hashem, because if he was a shaliach, why should things get worse for us? So the same thing is true, probably, that they were influenced by the Egyptians. What did the Egyptians say? The Egyptians said, no, we don't want you to go. We don't let you out. We don't care about the last makkah that we just had. We'll overcome. We'll, we'll put up with it. That's what the Egyptians say. Now, where did the Egyptians get the strength to do that? I always ask this question, right? Where the Egypt? It's true that the pasuk says ki at libo about Paro. It's true, but what did Paro say to himself 
Paro didn't say to himself, I'm acting this way because God made me act this way. Paro didn't do that. But what did Paro say to himself about what he was doing? He said that the magic of Moshe Rabbeinu has probably run out of steam. It's true that Moshe Rabbeinu is a great magician, but the, the way magicians are is that they run out of steam. That eventually there's no, they can't do it anymore. So my magicians ran out of steam in Kinim, but the Moshe Rabbeinu will run out of steam some other time. Not only that, they believe this so fervently that after Makat Bechorot, which was a pretty extreme kind of punishment that, that they, I mean, whether, whether you think it's a, this kind of miracle or that kind of miracle, it certainly is on the level of a major punishment that the Mitzrim went through. And yet Paro went and he said, let's go and get them. And they all came. They all came because they were certain that Moshe Rabbeinu had used up his powers. There was nothing more that he could do to them that they had not suffered already. So they ran after Moshe Rabbeinu to Yamsuf, and the only way to stop the Egyptians, ultimately, was to drown them. They had to disappear from the earth. You know, drown, they were in the water, covered with water, right? You, you, you have that image of being in the water and covered up with the water and they disappeared? Okay, some of them were on the shore, but they basically, basically disappeared. So what does our Pasuk say? What made them so certain that Moshe was about to run out of steam? No, they just knew that because it was a pretty extreme, that it was something that no magician had ever been able to do before. But I don't know. I don't know, but I see that they did. They, they took up the challenge and they went and chased after B'nai Israel. And there was no way to stop them. There was no way to get them to believe that Moshe Rabbeinu was truly an emissary, a shaliach of God. And that God was interested in this resolution, the Jews leaving Mitzrayim and the Egyptians letting them go. They could not, you could not convince them of that. You had to wipe them out. That had to be destroyed. That had to be destroyed. They were destroyed. Now, I just want to mention, I want to mention Pasuk Haftet. Im kamot kal adam yimutun elu. If these people will die, as all people die, ufkudat kol adam yipakeid alehem, and they will end their lives in a regular way, like everybody else ends their lives, then you are right, lo Hashem shilachani. God did not send me. Hashem, and if God creates something, ufatzetah adamat pia. And the, and the earth will open up its mouth, its mouth, otam, and will swallow them up. And they will go down to Sheol, wherever that might be. Chayim, they will be living. The Ramban. Uh, All right, well, we'll see the Ramban in a minute, but, but you, under, you understand what happened? Uh, what's the death? The death of these people, the death of these people, Hashem Shalom Asod Kol Ma'asim Ha'ele, 
אם כמות כל האדם ימותון אלה, ופקודת כל אדם ייפקד עליהם, לא השם שלחני, then you are right. If these people, דתן ואבירם, and the 250 other guys, if they die a natural death, then you know that God did not, did not uh, send me. So what's going to happen to them? There'll be a Bria. A Bria is like the word for creation. There'll be a new creation. And that new creation is Patsta Adamat Pia Ubala Otamet Kolashelahem. That's the new creation. A new kind of way of dying. We are Duchayim Sha'ola. And they will go to Sha'ol living. And you'll know that these people have annoyed, have angered, have disagreed with, with God. And that's their punishment. So you see that there is a parallel between the punishment of the Egyptians at Yam Suf, where they were enveloped in the water. They were enveloped in the water. It was like they were going through a marble kind of experience, right? The Mabul, we don't know what happened to all the people who died, but they disappeared in the water. And the Egyptians, even though God had promised not to destroy the world that way, but apparently that promise does not include killing or destroying a certain number of people who deserve to be destroyed. So that the, uh, the Egyptians were destroyed by the Mabul, by the Yamsuf, that covered them, right? The, the image is, is striking, right? They covered them alive and they disappeared in the water, right? But they're inside, they're not outside. And here too, here too, the way they died was by being enveloped alive in the earth. In the earth, that's the Bri'ah. And so we know that these miracles, that these miracles are, are like a briach hadashah, one-time events, one-time events in history, and a one-time event, uh, the Rishodim all say, uh, uh, overwhelms, a one-time overwhelms briach. That creation, the system of creation, whether you call it nature or you call it a miracle, it does, doesn't matter, right? It's machloket the Rambam and the Ramban, about whether everything is a miracle. The Ramban says everything's a miracle, meaning that if God didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't happen. So that means that when the grass grows, that's what Chazal say, it's like, like it grows because there's an angel for every blade of grass, gives it a whack, and the, and the grass grows a little bit. So nothing happens uh, uh, that's not a miracle. But if you hold like the Rambam, that there's nature, the Rambam agreed, the Rambam agreed that, that Yamsuf, Kriyat Yamsuf, it's like a Briyach Adashah. It's not part of the, it's not part of the setup. The Chazal have different ways of talking about that. They say that there's a Briyach, Erev Shabbat. There were 10 things that were created, Erev Shabbat, Ben Hashmashot. Ben Hashmashot means it's not exactly day and it's not exactly night. So that Anything that was created, is special. It's differentiated from the other things that were created. So here, here, what does Moshe Rabbeinu say? So why wasn't Kriyat Yamsuf Ben Hashemashot also? 
I, I, it's hard for me to answer a question like that, but I, I, don't, I don't know. It could have been. It could have been from the point of view of uniqueness, that the Kriyat Yam Suf was a unique event. But here, it says again, it says the reason that God is going to express this kind of, of, of uh, punishment is to prove to you ki lo mi libi. Right? Ki lo mi libi. Hashem shilachani. Hashem shilachani. So the prediction that Moshe Rabbeinu had in the beginning of Shemos, when HaKadosh Baruch said, you're going to do this job, Moshe Rabbeinu said, they're not going to believe. What are they not going to believe? What is it that they're not going to believe? After all, at Matan Torah, at the time of Matan Torah, they were all received, they all received prophecy. They were all Mekablei HaTorah. They all knew that Moshe Rabbeinu was Moshe Rabbeinu because they were in his head, so to speak. They were all in the same head. They had Moshe Rabbeinu. So what was it that is ki mi libi, ki lo, ki mi, they said it's mi libi, it's not mi libi. Well, it's what Rashi says, that there are non-Torah positions ad, that, that were adopted by Moshe Rabbeinu because he was told, God told him to do that. For example, you Moshe Rabbeinu are going to be the Melech, Aaron is going to be the Kohen Gadol, El Safad is going to be the Nasi. Now those are not necessarily part of the written Torah. So you can say the people, what Korach said, what did Korach say? Okay, when it comes to Torah, I believe Moshe Rabbeinu. He's, he's, he's the man who brought us the Torah. I can't argue about that. But who said that just because he brought us the Torah, he also has to bring us Aaron to be the Kohen Gadol. Maybe we should open it up to a, like a Mechraz, will decide who the best man for the Kohen Gadol is. So this is what Moshe Rabbeinu meant. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu meant, that it was a problem of leadership and not a problem of Torah. That when he said, when Moshe Rabbeinu said to Bnei, to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Heim lo yaminu be, he didn't mean they won't believe that I'm giving them the Torah. Because they're going to have a way of making that judgment They'll be able to judge that the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu is giving them is really the Torah. Because they also participated in the prophecy of Har of Sinai. But when it comes to directives that Moshe Rabbeinu receives because he is the leader of Bnei Israel, that they have no way of judging. So that's where, where uh, uh, Korach said, that's what Korach said. We're all, we're all part of Kulanu Kedoshim. We're all we're on Har Sinai. So why is your opinion more significant than anybody else's opinion? We're all, when it comes to a secular decision, who should be on the board of directors, who should be the Kohen Gadol, meaning that he's going to organize things with his children and go to the, into the Kodesh Kedoshim and Yom Kippurim. Who says that you know better than we know. Who says that you are more, uh, a more appropriate choice than, than we are? And this question, this question which I think, and, and so, in fact, this problem was solved. 
בי ופצתה האדמה את פיה, ובלעה אותם את כל אשר להם, וידעו חיים שאולה. Which is against the way God wants the world to run. God does not, did not make a world in which people were yordim chayim sheola, but people died, and then they went to wherever they were supposed to go. V'yadatem g'niyatsu anashim ha'elet Hashem. Pasuk Lamed Aleph, we just want to finish the, the psukim. V'yihi k'chaloto l'dabar kol adverim ha'ele, that's what happened. The, the earth opened up. The earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the people who were with Korach and Kol HaRechush. Right, so the Eidah was already saved. We're talking about the 250 people who were with, with Korach, Datan, Aviram. The Yardu heim b'kol asher lahem chayim sheola v'techas aleim ha'aretz v'yavdu mikovdokka v'techas aleim ha'aretz means that they were, that the, the earth was returned to its original, its original form. You didn't know where the people went. They, were, they just disappeared. They disappeared, and it's just like, it's like Kriyat Yam Suva, it's like the Mabu. It's like those events in which the, the world was entirely uh, uh, changed. Pasuk Lamedalet, Bechol Yisrael HaShvishviyotehem, Nasu Likolam, they all ran away. Ki Amru Pentiv La'enu Ha'aretz, Ve'eish Yatz'ame Et Hashem, Ve'tochal Et HaChamishim Umatayim Ish, Okay, so there you have it. So there, there you have it. It seems to me, it seems to me again that the significant point is that Moshe Rabbeinu was fighting for his uh, uh, job as a melech, as the one who makes decisions, as the one who determines what should be and what will be. And this was something that Moshe Rabbeinu knew originally would be problematic, that the people would have no way of making the judgment of who to listen, who to, li- who to, listen to. And we know that, uh, that later on, that later on the Melech, uh, who, uh, who, Sho'ol HaMelech, David HaMelech, right, the king who should have been at least able to make a decision about whether to go to war, or not, that seemed to be one of his jobs. Nevertheless, had to consult with the Urim Vitumin to, to find out the answer to that question, meaning that in his area of competence, the king was not able to make a decision that everybody would follow and accept. We had to go in a more direct manner to find out what God says about going to war. Right? This was, so this was a problem there's a problem existed in the beginning of the formulation of Am Yisrael as a nation. And that was, how do we get to the point where the decisions that are made are in line with divine will? When it comes to halakha, we figured out a way to do it. Right? We said, we came to the conclusion that the judges, whoever they are, 
have the ability to make a determination about a halachic matter. And that whatever their determination is, however, you, even if it's a machloket, if you can figure out which side of it is correct, so you get a, uh, a response which is acceptable to all of the Jews. All of the Jews will accept the fact that the Torah wants you to act in a certain way. But when it comes to technical matters, do we have leadership for technical matters? I mean, it's an interesting question. Today, uh, Gedolim has become a kind of a, uh, an issue in, uh, in academic circles. Uh, there's a very, a very big book that was just published uh, called Gedolim. Not such an exciting topic, but uh, I think it's a, good, it's a good book. It's full of interesting information. Let me say that. I don't, I don't get any percentages of the book if you buy it. But I'm not suggesting that you buy it. I'm just saying it's like a, it's like a thought. Like, what do you need Gedolim for? Why do you need people who, who, uh, who give advice? I mean, why isn't the barber good enough? You know, every barber gives advice. And it's free. And you get a haircut at the same time. Which, which certainly is a, is a good deal, right? So uh, uh, people want the Jews, or the Jews, I, many Jews that I know, want to feel that even in small matters that are not strictly speaking halakhic, they're doing the right thing. We want to do the right thing. Now, you can be critical of that or, or accepting of that, but there's no doubt that there are moments when people want to do the right thing. In order to find out what the right thing is, they might consult with people that they have a high regard for. Some people go to the barber, and some people go to the rabbi. But anybody who's been a rabbi, Gideon knows that you get very strange requests as, as a rabbi. I mean, not all, uh, the, not just what do I do on Shabbos about this or that? But there's very strange questions about life. Because you, everybody wants to do the right thing. And rabbis somehow have this aura that they lead you in the right path. Uh, this all comes from, it all comes from Korach. It all comes from Korach because Korach was the one who said that there's no reason to think that Moshe Rabbeinu necessarily is leading us in the right path. Chazal, if you remember, Chazal say that, uh, that they enhance the argument of Korach, or they detract, or they, they said that Korach actually asked a halakhic question, or a, a pseudo-halakhic question. The Korach said, if you have a, ha a house full of Sifrei Torah, do you need a mezuzah? Because every Sefer Torah has the parashah of a mezuzah in it. So if you have a house full of Sifrei Torah, do you have to put a mezuzah at that house? Right? So of course, Moshe Rabbeinu said yes, and Korach said no, it's a kalvachomer. One little mezuzah takes care of the whole house, a house full of Sifrei Torah certainly takes care of, of the whole house. The other thing had to do with the Tcheles. But you understand that Chazal, Chazal were looking for a halachic issue. 
They're saying, that's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the man of the halacha. He's the man who knew the answer to the question. Whereas here in this parasha, it says clearly that that's not the Moshe Rabbeinu that was being argued about. But the Moshe Rabbeinu is being argued about was the leadership Moshe Rabbeinu. The person who was going to explain to them what was good to them, for them, even though it can't be confined to a halachic uh, uh, position, right? And, and uh, uh, this, I think, is a, a, a normal, kind of, normal kind of behavior. I don't think, not that I, am, I think it's such a great idea, but it's normal for people to consult with people, other people who they think know more than they do, in general even though they may be misguided about that as well. But that comes from the fight between Korach and Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. All the best. Sure. Yeah. I, have a Ma? I have a question. So what, are the, well, what is the purpose of the signs that God gave to Moshe? Of the what? Of the sign he gave him before. If it wasn't to prove to Bnei Israel that was the leader. Uh, why did he give him the, the mateh turned into a nachash? I think it was for the Egyptians. The whole thing, the whole story of Yitziat Mitzrayim is about the Egyptians. But Moshe asked about Nei's hand. Yes, true. But Moshe, I think that Moshe was not really relevant in Yitziat Mitzrayim until Matan Torah. At Matan Torah, everybody knew that Moshe, who Moshe Rabbeinu was because they all participated in the prophecy. And before that, they didn't know. Before that, they didn't know.